Hey everyone, uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, my name is Will Hobson and this is the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. Um, I do have guests and a co-host that's running a little uh, behind. I think he'll be joining us later. Uh, but for right now, I, I'm all by myself. Um, really quickly, I'll get into some things that you guys can do if you're uh, interested in supporting me in my work. Um, I do a lot of activism for the Libertarian Party of Oregon um, and for liberty movement in general. Um, I have a, uh, it's kind of like an app that where you can donate and uh, trade Bitcoin and dollars called Strike uh, that I use. Uh, if you're interested in supporting me, uh, you can go to strike.me slash Will Hobson. And uh, you can sign up for that. And uh, then uh, transfers are essentially free uh, in dollars and very, very low in Bitcoin. Um, unlike, you know, Patreon, where they do take a percentage. Uh, and I highly encourage that. It's a really easy app for crypto beginners. It's like if the, you were taking the first step into Bitcoin, if I was telling a boomer to take the first step into Bitcoin, I'd tell them to download the Strike app. Like that's the very first step. It's not a real wallet per se, but it's a great first start. Uh, and you can actually transfer Bitcoin to a wallet once you uh, you figure out that app. I, I can't imagine an easier app to learn, honestly. Uh, so you can support me there. Uh, also, I am trying to start a coffee company that has kind of unique, um, kind of unique uh, angle where uh, we actually roast like coffee from Yemen and other countries that are experiencing uh, very unfortunate uh, foreign policy <laughs> decisions from other countries are being kind of put upon them. So uh, I am trying to start a coffee company that sells those coffees and donates to really great causes like the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Um, if you'd like to get into the queue of uh, potential customers in the future, you can go check that out at peacehawk.coffee. That's a website go to and there's a really simple form it's only a one page website where you can put your name uh, and your email address and then once we're ready to launch we'll give you a notification and you can sign up for kind of like a mail in uh, coffee uh, service which I'm going to try to keep at a very reasonable price but I'm also going to hopefully do a lot of good things with it like uh, yeah donate to good causes and things of that nature um, but yeah um, today uh, we were going to talk about uh, trade war issues uh, with Dan. Uh, I'm not sure if Dan is having trouble joining us right now. Um, let me see. I think my co-host might be trying to get in. Make sure he gets in. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't see Dan. So we might uh, actually change topics from uh, what's being discussed. I know me and Peter already kind of went into uh, some of the economic uh, impacts that, uh, you know, our foreign policy is having on the average day Oregonian. So if Dan isn't uh, hopping on here in a little bit to talk more about that, we'll probably transition maybe to just some general Oregon politics. I've got the uh, the voter guide right here in my my hot little hands, so we can have some pretty interesting, probably topics of discussion. Also, I do want to say that um, next week we are going to be having on uh, Leon Noble, the uh, gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party. We're going to have him on. We're going to have uh, probably like a nice little Q and A. Might not be uh, on 
Oh, excuse me. Sorry, Peter's trying to get in. Let me in. Uh, let me get him on here. There we go. All right. Yeah, there's my co-host. But uh, yeah, we will have Leon Noble uh, on, and we will yeah do some uh, Q and A with him. It might not be exactly on Friday of next week, but it will be some point next week. Um, how are you doing, Peter? Are you there? Pretty good, man. Sorry, I kept like refreshing the link, and it's like I kept saying uh, upcoming room, and then I I like got out of that, and then clicked on you, and then clicked on this podcast, and then it let me back in in the queue. So I don't know, but no worries. I see you've got your trade and true shake emoji, so uh, that's that's nice. I uh, <laughs> I think for like all of 2021, I was rocking the um, Captain Murphy logo on like all my accounts, and then I decided uh, once I started going to events in person everyone was like oh you're will hobson like like you're you're oh you're that guy like i i didn't even know what you looked like so i've decided to start using my my face just to avoid it but uh yeah i like uh love me some adult swim well you're the face of the party i'm more of the aggressive like uh attack dog so i guess that makes sense yeah, 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 no, uh, 2020, uh, this guy right here, uh, <clears throat> he said some pretty choice words to uh, old uh, Sarwark <laughs> on the floor. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are a boisterous lot here in Oregon. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think Dan is joining us tonight, possibly, by the looks of it. Uh, and I know we already kind of discussed the topic of trade wars and Maybe not exactly trade wars, but kind of like the economic effects that foreign policy was having on Oregonians. So if you want to, maybe we can uh, just have more of a general, like, you know, you know, the elections coming up, the midterms for Oregon are coming up. And this is the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. Maybe we could talk about, um, you know, the candidates that are running and uh, how disappointed we are with them. <laughs> yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, I guess maybe I'll start with, I even said this to somebody at work today because um, I got the director of my, uh, keep saying that, but my, my unit, I guess my department of that company said that somebody at, at Jiffy Tire, he had to ask them, well, why are you charging to uh, put air in my tires? I thought that was free. And the guy said, come on, man, it's inflation. <laughs> oh. And then I said, like, you wouldn't believe I was on Twitter yesterday, and I saw an actual congressperson say, uh, Arizona iced tea is still 98 cents. Inflation doesn't exist, just corporate greed. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a, a painful cognitive uh, dissonance, <laughs> like a string of words strung together in a way to like cause maximum mental pain for uh, people that are... <laughs> Or like have an IQ over 100 or 90. So. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Um, we definitely don't... Uh, we, we here at the Libertarian Party, or Libertarians in general, do not uh, agree with the uh, concept that suddenly corporations discovered greed in the last two years. That's um, That shouldn't be anyone's take, honestly. <laughs> Like all of a sudden they just got extra special greedy. Is yeah, it seems pretty like basic stuff. But either they've always been greedy or they just got greedy. It almost seems like inflation has nothing to do with all of that. It's it's just an expansion of the monetary supply. 
and that rising prices are just a symptom of that. But I think we want to try to keep it Oregon focused this episode we talked about. So yes, how can yes. we talk about how we can battle inflation from an Oregonian lens? I don't know. Maybe we got, we got Gregor here who's listening. Maybe he has some ideas. Yeah. Oh, well, and everyone who's in the, the listeners can call in and, and talk uh, if they want to talk about anything specifically. Um, I will say that uh, thumbing through the, uh, you know, I, I won't speak about the libertarian candidate because unfortunately the libertarian candidate is not on the ballot and I will reserve most questions and uh, any comments for uh, next week when we actually have Leon on. But uh, yeah, unfortunately he's not on the, uh, in the voter's guide. He's, I'm sorry, he's on the ballot. He, he's not in the voter's guide. Uh, and we'll get into that next week. But uh, of the of those that are here, I'm uh, I must say I'm not a uh, super thrilled. <laughs> but there are other options. I uh, I know some some people are going to be uh, lulled into the uh, to the Republican camp. Some people that listen to this may even vote for Betsy Johnson. I doubt very many people will in our camp uh of you know the libertarians you know small libertarians will vote tina kotek but maybe some but and and you know some might go the the constitution uh, uh party route uh, i will say in the constitution parties uh uh i guess j j just to be honest that they they did actually address the the lockdowns and the mandates it's like one that's of cool yeah, uh, Donis uh, Noel Smith actually addressed that. If you, but if she wasn't on there for the governor's candidate, you wouldn't know that we just went through two years of some of the most civil liberties destroying, like medical mandates and uh, you know economically just destructive lockdowns that I, I've ever ex we've ever experienced in our lifetime. There's nothing even close. Uh, but she's the only one. Dude, did you the... see the Shane Hazel debate that he was in? Like, we're going to switch switch back to Oregon real quick. But like, uh, Shane Hazel was in an actual gubernatorial debate in Georgia, and he basically he asked the, the the current governor to apologize for the lockdowns and making people non-essential, locking them in their homes. And he just like is that a question? He's like, yes, I would like you to apologize. It was one of the most badass moments I've seen in a debate in a really long time. Mm. I, I may have to watch it. I, how do I say this diplomatically? There's a lot of, there's most things I like about Shane Hazel, but he has one thing about him that I'm like, I'm really hesitant to get behind him. And I, I, I really grapple with it. And, but I, I generally do like him. Uh, I think he's very smart, articulate. He, he's a great face for the, the Libertarian Party, um, but yeah, I yeah, I'll, I'll definitely listen to it. I'll, 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 you've, you've convinced me. I'll, I'll listen to it. But I'm yeah, um, I'm glad. I you know also saw that we got like uh, I think his name was um, I can't I think it was like White last name White. Uh, there the, in the L Alabama has also been having a, a lot of. Uh, uh, libertarians in their statewide race is also um, sweet on TV, so that's really cool. You should go check out the Al Alabama Libertarian Party. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, they've, they've got some great debates uh, posted on their Twitter account. Uh, back to Oregon, yeah. but yeah, back to Oregon. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I honestly haven't watched any of the debates for our gubernatorial candidates. You know, I think what I'm really hoping for is that somebody else will watch them and then do a podcast and then tell other people about it, about it kind of like Tom Woods does for the presidential debates, because I haven't watched a presidential debate since 2016. Like, and I only, in 2016, I think only watched one because Tom Woods was doing like the recap of them. And I, I kind of trusted him to do a pretty solid recap with whoever he was with. And I just, I couldn't stomach watching them anymore. They're just so, they just make me so angry and like sad, but I'm kind of having the same thing with uh, the gubernatorial debates here. We're like, I don't want to watch them if it's just the, it's just the people that they want me to vote for, like the powers that be want us to be restricted to these really, like, you know, not all that different choices. I, yeah, I mean, they didn't even let Leon in the debates, did they? I don't think he was in any of them. Um, well, there was a de- there was a debate where they did let a bunch of like the smaller gubernatorial candidates in, and Leon was part of that. Uh, okay. But it was. Um, I remember it was on like some like a uh, Hulu, like local Hulu channel, which I, I didn't even know those existed. And that was kind of cool. But um, they, uh, they that, so he's been in a debate. There's a video of it. I can probably find it and post it. But there were like eight, seven other like uh, gubernatorial candidates. And I think it was like, like a free Oregon, like uh, organized debate. Okay. Uh, just why I think it was during the 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 primaries, and then Leon. I, I mean, did Leon actually have any primary opponents? I think he was. No, he didn't. Um, opposed. Yeah, he was unopposed. Sad I missed that. Actually, I remember him talking about that. I should have checked into that, but good to hear he was at least heard, like on on Hulu. Yes, yes, he was in fact heard. Uh, he may have been in other things. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to take uh, Gregor's call. Uh, what's up, Gregor? How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'll break away from my Padre game for a second. To... I actually watched that debate with Leon in it. Um, and, you know, I was it Betsy Johnson was in it and, you know, quite a few other mostly Republican, but also Leon in that debate. And I do have to say Leon acquitted himself well. Um but it was it was really fascinating because you know they all just sort of said the same thing, except for Leon, who was a little more forceful, of course, because we all know yeah. his personality a little bit anyway. I'm sure next week's going to be an interesting discussion. Um, but you know, you were talking about how the some of the stuff going on now is affecting Oregon. You know, I'm wondering how much are we are we not better off than so many other states because we have so much local important things like food and, um, you know, production. I mean, we don't have any gas. We don't have any of this, that, and the other thing, but there's a lot of really important things we have locally, which would put us ahead of the curve as things get harder. Are you talking about what, where we have like a comparative advantage over other, uh, areas or countries or, you know, cause I, given a choice between being in Oregon or Arizona, during, you know, food shortages and other things that we, some of us fully expect, I would rather be here. <laughs> no, I, I, I think we, Welcome, somebody. I'm going to, sorry, Gregor, I got to meet you. That was, sounded like an aerosol can was going off. And, <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, uh, um, 
Yeah, uh, Oregon does at least parts of it have some unique uh, attributes that lend it will lend itself well to, you know, a you know large scale economic crisis where there are food shortages and stuff. I, I know Western Oregon is yeah, yeah, it's quite the fruit basket. You know, it's got a it's or the bread basket as you call it. You know, I, the the Hood River Valley is called the fruit basket because we're uh, here in Hood River County because we're known for growing cherries. But there are a lot of agricultural advantages to Oregon. Um, there's also the Columbia River Dam, which provides hydropower, which is, you know, as far as power goes, it's very, at this point, it's very cheap and, you know, it's very clean, unlikely to be um, taken, taken off. Um, it's pretty reliable. We also, you know, I know that most of the state is in drought, but um, I think we're uh, on board for a pretty good water year here. I think the uh, El Nino, La Nina effect is going, whichever one provides the most rain to Port Pacific Northwest, I think is the one that's going to be popping off this year. That's like the highest likelihood. So I think we're, we're well positioned uh, relatively, you know, as far as like if things get down to like what is, what are, people need the necessities in life i think we'll we'll do well but um i yeah i i definitely think though our politicians would like to make it more difficult for us <laughs> or uh or at least they they'll do things that will make it more difficult for us um i um i i'm not heartened by the fact that so many of the governor uh, gubernatorial candidates aren't talking about how bad the lockdowns were because if there's another surge in, you know, let's say a virus, you know, that people don't or like start to get whipped up uh, about their, they might reinstitute lockdowns and stuff and that will hurt our economy and that will hurt all of us. Um, I, I know I've been, uh, I've been kind of hesitant to get back into my old job uh, that I had prior to the lockdowns just because, you know, the, the governor, reinstituted like lockdowns and like restaurant closures like three different times so like i don't understand how anyone who's supposed to like work in that industry works in it with any confidence that their their job's still going to be there and that's you know when the you know when kate brown you know shut everything off for like that one week and then like changed her mind and like let it turn back on restaurant workers i have to imagine the vast vast majority of them did not get you know, unemployment compensation for that week, they were just SOL because it is so much effort to get unemployment. It, it requires so much time and calling and, you know, persistently, you know, making sure that your claim goes through that uh, I'm sure they missed out on a full week's worth of wages. And for someone who's working, you know, that close to the, uh, you know, the poverty level, you know, most most, I would think, you know, service industry workers aren't like rolling in it, you know, a week's worth of pay just all of a sudden ripped out of your, uh, out of your budget is really devastating. Yeah. I mean, you don't really feel secure in your job and you know that you can just be sent home just with the flick of the governor's wrist, you know, there aren't really any checks and balances when it comes to that. And I understand your hesitation. Yeah, I it's just I'm I'm shocked that out of the three governors, no one's deciding to like get aggressive and run on that. 
you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the mailers too, that I'm getting for my local or like, like the state level, like house and state Senate races and all of the Republicans are like, you know, like we got to fund the police. we got to do this. It's like these mailers are from like the nineties. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they could have just, they, I mean, they literally probably could have just reprinted mailers from the nineties and changed out like the face and the name. And they, they would be like essentially the same. Um, I, I, I'm baffled that the Republicans in Oregon, at least the vast majority of them, there is some like notable exceptions like Ben Edel, uh, the vast majority of them are just going radio silent on this issue. It seems like a slam dunk, an easy win, but they're just running from it. I don't know why. Like they, besides the fact that you know, obviously, other governors instituted it, and now they'll be seen as uh, hypocrites if or uh, maybe not like party loyalists if they go against other Republicans elsewhere in the nation. Do you think that's what's going on, Peter? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I think they're just afraid because like such a huge portion of at least the Portland base was for the lockdowns, but I don't really understand it. I mean, there's a lot of data to show that people were actually really against them. And it seems like a way to electrify your base, but it also just kind of reminds me of the, the Joe Jorgensen campaign. Like, did we just get in a time machine and go back to 1997? Like, are we are we not talking about like what's happening right now? I don't know. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, to to give Joe Jorgensen her credit, yeah, a George Jorgensen president would be like miles and miles improvement uh, from yeah. anything we've ever had. Uh, but the, the really disappointing thing is, is that, yeah, she wasn't really speaking to like the, the part of the party that was like burning desire to do something and just wanted a leader that was like pretty good on this issue that like talked about it. They said like, you know what? I got your back on this. And, uh, this thing, this major pain point that you've never experienced before. Like, I understand it. I, I sympathize with it and it's never going to happen again. If you get me in there, like, even if. (laughs) there's some level of like BS is kind of going off in people's heads. Like, I don't know if this person's really believing it. I think they just want to hear that that is an acceptable position in politics. Like that is a position that people are taking in politics instead of like, just the almost like gaslighting level of like silence that is going on about this. Like it's all like, it didn't even happen. Well, yeah, I mean, I voted for, I think she was a good candidate. She's one of the best libertarian candidates for president we've had in a very long time. I just think that she missed a really big moment that I think would have, I don't know, been a good thing for the Libertarian Party to be talking about in 2020. Yeah. And, you know, if if someone is trying to get, you know, like 5% of the vote as opposed to 2%, you know, like I can understand if you're, you're at like 50, you know, like, like 48 or something and you're trying to get to like 50, 50 plus one, you know, like if you're if you're making that calculation, like hmm, maybe I don't want to go too hard in the paint on this in case it like rocks the boat too hard, uh, you know, so I can secure the win and, th- and then I can get it. Like I can understand that calculus of like, okay, I won't go too hard on this issue. I want to win. But when you're at, you know, 2% and you're trying to get to like, just like 5%, you should go way hard on this issue because that's an easy way to get a sizable chunk of the population that is not being spoken to uh, and wants, wants someone to feel like they're at their, you know, like they have their back. It's, it's, it's criminal that 
you know, our our party didn't take a stronger stance during the COVID era. And now watching the Republicans just like piss away that their opportunity to do it too. It's like, man, we really could have defined ourselves. We really could have drawn like a really um, clear picture of what the libertarian stands for libertarian party stands for and how it's different from the other two parties. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm excited uh, to talk to Leon next week. Uh, I would like to hear more about like this specifically. We also have plenty of other great candidates running for the LP. We haven't really talked about Shira at all. I'm excited about her race. Hope she does well. We okay. had her talk at the Multnomah County Libertarian Party, uh, I think like a, two months ago, something like that, about her experience uh, homeschooling and all the stuff that she went through, just uh, battling to homeschool her kids and take them out of the public education system, and especially in the light of the new CDC decision. And we're probably going to see, who knows, like uh, what's going to happen in Oregon if they're going to try to make the COVID-19 vaccine required to go to Oregon public schools. But we really need more homeschool moms, I think, running for office that really understand like the, the importance of this issue. Yeah. No, nothing will stand in the way of enough homeschool moms want it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely think that's that's true. Um, yeah. Um, I guess we could talk about the Senate race. Um, I know we were supposed to have Dan on. And Dan is, to in full disclosure, he's not a libertarian. We were going to uh, talk to him because he's really knowledgeable about foreign policy, but he is running uh, for the U- as the U.S. Senate candidate uh, for the Pacific Green Party against Ron Wyden, who's the incumbent. Uh, and there's a couple others. There's the the Republican, and I guess the Constitution Party. Joe Ray Perkins is running, and then there's a guy named Chris Henry who's running, and. Um, I will say, um, if you know, we're getting back to the mandates and stuff, it's it's really cool to see that there are people, even outside the Libertarian Party, that are are speaking about the um, yeah the lockdowns and the medical mandates. You know, it sounds like Dan is is pretty good on that issue. And again, this is not an endorsement of Dan. I'm not telling you to vote green party i wouldn't do that i'm the libertarian party and uh, i'm a, a member of the board i i very strongly support uh the you know the libertarian candidate who was un, uh, unfortunately unable to get on to the ballot as well john newton um i, I support people voting for for him he, he's great on this but it is it is great to see um foreign policy getting brought up in the voters guide so strongly i, I highly recommend people read it and uh, maybe take some notes for future, uh, you know, future campaigns. Like this is a very well thought out foreign policy piece, and I and I really enjoy the, you know, it, as far as the Pacific Green candidate goes, I think that's about as good as the Pacific Greens are probably ever going to do from my my libertarian viewpoint. So, yeah, I mean, I like the people uh, that we've talked to in the Green Party. Like I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, Will and I definitely had a, we had a sit down conversation with a lot of Green Party people in late 2020. I want to say early 2021, when we found out that there was a big fracture in the Green Party over the lockdowns, over medical freedom, and a lot of those guys and gals are really good on some issues that we care about. So um, even though we're not going to vote for them, 
Like I'm, I'm voting for John Newton all the way for U.S. Senate. Uh, we should, we should talk to them, and we have a lot of common ground with them. Yeah, absolutely. And it really seems that the, you know, the more I keep reading the guide, like uh, I, I do find that those in the third party camps definitely have, they have the opinions. I, I'm more seeking uh, other politicians to have you know, trying to be truthful, even if I don't agree necessarily with what they say, I appreciate their commitment to the truth and trying to understand the world uh, better and not just blow smoke up my ass. Like, <laughs> I, I I appreciate that, that strive for, for honesty. But um, yeah, um, let me see. Let's see if there's anything else we want to talk about here. Uh, are there any other races in Oregon right now that are catching your eye, Peter? I'm trying to think. There was a couple I was really excited about, and then Taylor Ricky dropped out, which I was disappointed. I know. In. I found out about that too. Yeah, yeah. Taylor Ricky's a great guy. He's uh, uh, also one of our Mises uh, fellows here in the Libertarian Party of Oregon. Um, yeah, he just had I think too many family commitments, which is. You know, the, the thing you want to hear is like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got to take care of my family. And it's like, well, of course, you know, yeah. <laughs> of course, we want you to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I think most people will look at the voter's guide this year and see um, quite the absence of libertarian names on the ballot. And I do want to tell people that that is largely a factor of the fact that uh the Libertarian Party of Oregon has had to spend over $10,000, thousands and thousands of dollars on kind of working ourselves out of a uh, bylaw pretzel that was draining our coffers every election cycle where we had to spend an inordinate amount of money to send ballots that will never get opened or even looked at uh, to prospective party members for internal uh, elections for party officers. And that was just devastating our budget and not allowing us to do anything. We finally, after years of organization have, uh, we are now allowed to do electronic balloting, which will save us thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, on next year's internal elections. Uh, with that extra money, we'll be able to have things like, uh, a party, you know, statement, which unfortunately is missing from this belt, but there are thousands of dollars. We just don't have the money to, uh, to fund those things when we're spending like, you know, well north of 10 grand on, you know, uh, our primary election ballots every, every couple of years. So we are unfortunate. We are unfortunately not that well represented. Uh, we weren't able to uh, cobbled together enough volunteers on a, a, enough different things, be, you know, uh, largely because also we had to like stick nine people in a public policy board so we could even make public statements. So like, there's a lot of things we're trying to kind of untangle ourselves out of making the party, you know, a, a little bit more uh, efficient and, you know, a little bit more streamlined. But once we do, we do plan in 2024 to have a big presence to have a party statement, to have multiple candidates on the ballot, running in really competitive, interesting races. We want to have a good campaign team ready to go. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of people, uh, a lot of volunteers to the party have had to drop off in the recent years. And there we have, we hear the Mises Caucus, me and Peter, Peter knows that we have 
uh, moved heaven and earth to find really good people to plug in where we can in leadership. And they're just like a constant, like the party's almost like constantly hungry for new leadership and new volunteers. So we're, we're trying to feed that beast. Uh, so if you're at all interested in volunteering or helping out, I would highly recommend you go to lporegon.org and uh, there's a form right there on the front of the, uh, on the homepage. And if you, um, if you fill that out, send it in, we could really use uh, extra help uh, to make this party, uh, you know, a very, you know, dynamic force for, you know, getting more liberty-based policies through getting good candidates in. We do want to try to catch up with the other state parties in the nation, uh, but it's going to take a little bit more work. We've got a lot more infrastructure to rebuild. So, um, but again, uh, don't lose heart this year's it. Money was really tight. We were essentially broke as a party. Next election cycle, the presidential cycle, we will have a much stronger, bigger presence. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add on that is it's it's really not just that the fact we are low on money, is that really everyone in a position in leadership in the Libertarian Party of Oregon, with the exception of a couple of great people though we know and love, is pretty new to this whole thing. I mean, we were rebuilding this year and last year. We're just kind of getting our feet wet when it comes to understanding how all of this works. And we didn't really have the support that we needed to really do all the things we wanted to do this year for this election. And now that we're, we have a solid team, uh, we're getting volunteers together. We're coming up with a good plan. And uh, I'm really excited about what's going to happen over the next couple of years for the Libertarian Party of Oregon. Uh, excited to talk to Leon about that next week, hear what his plans are for the party going forward and how, like, I know we've had some disagreements on not just like policy positions, but strategy in general, but I know that we can all work together to make this party what we, we want it to be. You know, we'll have the money, we'll have the people, we'll have the training, we'll have the plan. And I really think that's going to be a coordinated effort, not just with the Mises caucus, but with uh, whoever wants to, to be there, you know? No, absolutely. We we're definitely, uh, we have some institutional knowledge that we need to build, but we are actively building it. I've learned a lot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I know we have a lot of people interested in, in uh, continuing their education and learning more. And then I, I think uh, we will start to have people who are specialists at different things uh, as we're going forward. And that will really be helpful. Um, but we are holding the ship together. And I just want you to know personally, I am making a commitment to be in this party for pretty much the rest of my life. I and and got forbidding like some kind of like nuclear apocalypse or something like that. I am going to be here helping in any way I can. Maybe not in the exact same roles forever, but like I would. I, I'm just letting you know that I'm making a commitment to you know uh, square up my shoulders, throw myself at this problem, keep pushing it forward. I. Uh, and I think, I think people, uh, you know, in third parties, you know, when the, you know, the musical chairs of like different people coming in and out. And sometimes, sometimes it can be kind of disheartening and like, we're like, everyone keeps on changing people like try for a while, get frustrated and give up and quit. Um, I'm incredibly stubborn just so everyone knows. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I am moving this rock forward, whether I move it, you know, a uh, few feet or I move it a mile. It's, 
I I'm I'm putting myself again uh, against this. I think it's it, it it's where my energy should be spent. So uh, Will will be our Sisyphus uh, for better or worse. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'll try. Uh, anyway, um, I can't think of anything else that we want to like shout out or talk about. Oh, maybe um, next week we will be having uh, a couple of Halloween-based events. Uh, I'm going to be uh, doing a, a LP Jackbox Halloween-themed game night. So that is a game night you can hop on uh, online anywhere in the, the country or even maybe not even in the country. But you can hop on... Uh, and uh, we, we're going to play some Halloween-based Jackbox games that are really funny, a lot of adult humor, um, a lot of different types of games. There's irreverent drawing games. There's, like, trivia games. Uh, there's games where you come up with hor horrifically, you know, uh, offensive jokes, <laughs> throw them at each other. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, come come and join us for that if you want. Uh, I'll uh, – if you uh, go to uh, LPMC Oregon uh, dot com uh, on the calendar there you can find uh, the events calendar you can find the event there I'll, I'll I think the link should be posted there but come out and join us for that and then Peter I think is uh, organized a Halloween hangout at Puffs Pub Tavern on yeah I could Saturday. talk a little bit about that um, yeah yeah we're having a Halloween party at 8 p.m. Uh, next Saturday at Puffs Pub in Gresham Oregon a bar owned by New board of directors member, Brad Lee, which I will be pushing pretty heavily on Discord and other areas uh, tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, pretty excited about it. I've never been to Puffs Pub before, but really excited to support a local business owner. It's also a libertarian activist. And yeah, should be it should be a great time. Awesome. Great. Uh, again, uh, if you if you want to support me and keep me doing this activism thing, I uh, you can donate at strike.me slash Will Hobson, uh, Bitcoin, or you can sign up and also donate dollars. Uh, uh, and you can also sign up for my coffee business uh, that should hopefully be launching soon at peacehawk cof uh, sorry peacehawk.coffee is the web address. You can sign up and get on the list there. I uh, really appreciate it. And also I want to say I really appreciate everyone who has donated so far and kind of kept me going. Uh, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate you helping me uh, stay with this project and uh, keeping it going. Anyway, uh, I hope everyone has a great night. Uh, enjoy your, uh, your weekend and uh, have a good, uh, have a good one. Cheers. Cheers, everybody.